Mainframe. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mainframe Podcast. We're your hosts, Demont and Amit, and thank you for tuning into the 11th episode of this season's podcast. And boy, we got some electric action. And no, I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking about Lime, the electric scooter company. Last September, Insider reported that Lime was hoping to raise up to $200 million in convertible debt from Uber and other previous investors. The scooter company was also reportedly in talks with an investment bank, Evercore, and is going public via a reverse merger with a special acquisition company, or SPAC. But Insider said that those talks have fizzled. Now Lime says that its most recent funding round was oversubscribed with $418 million in debt financing led by Abu Dhabi Growth Fund, Fidelity Management Research, Uber, and a, and a plethora of other hedge fund capitalist mar- markets. The company also received a $105 million senior secured term loan facility from a private equity firm at UBS O'Connor. And Lime is, no, is not releasing details about interest rates or anything else related to the terms of the deals. However, they are saying that their company is going in the right direction. And on with, I was like, first of all, when I heard this news, I was kind of surprised because Lime is a company that has had relative success with its electric scooter industry and its entire like business plan where they rent out electric scooters to other people. Yet they have been falling in like severe debt. And I'm very interested to see like, why do you think that is happening? Well, I think the main reason that they're even going into debt, right? Like, obviously, like, I've um, heard about this news before, right? And I've seen, like, primarily their, the trend with their sales, their debt, debt coming into play is primarily from COVID-19, right? Like, just if you think about logically, right? They're, like, they're basically, like, sharing bikes and stuff, right? With COVID-19, that's, like, no longer sanitary. Like, people are not going outside anymore that often with, like, quarantine and stuff like that. Like, it, it totally makes sense that their sales are falling off. And, like, what I'm kind of a bit skeptical about is why are, like, companies partnering with this now? Knowing that, like, this is not, like, a steady, like, like not a solid business, right? I mean, it is a solid business, but that's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to say, like, they're they're not like a like a totally stable business right like even in like any circumstance it can't just it can't be like you know it's still like functioning properly like they're taking a big risk by investing it even like now right with their severe debt like people like they partner with uber there's like this all these hedge funds all these capitalists like um like a big like big hedge funds too right like the fidelity group like that's that's pretty big and they're still investing in it like essentially what i'm seeing here is that they're basically fueling their debt like inadequacies with this um with the, with their with the with these debt um with these investments right like they, they're not getting the revenue they, they don't get that net income yet so they're basically using these investments to keep the business afloat and i think smart smart way like to do this by line but i'm kind of like what do you think why do you think that people are, are even investing in this business at this like state at the state yeah. of the world I think the main reason that, that this is even happening is because in the fall of 2020, the company was feeling more optimistic as they hit the milestone of 200 million rides worldwide. And, the, and Lime CEO Wayne Ting also told a crowd of investors in November that for, for that for the first time, the company was operating cash flow positive and free cash, cash flow positive in the third quarter and was actually on pace to be a full year profitable, excluding certain like operational costs. And I think I think that is the reason why that um, the company was starting to see like people were starting to go back outside 
and it started to see the increase in cash in cash flow, positive cash flow within the company. And then that's when the Delta variant hit, which led to more lockdowns, more delayed reopenings. And that's why their entire business started going back downwards. But I do think that in it, when we return to a state of normalcy, right, this company is going to get back on its feet without a doubt, because like, I guess the entire market for the scooter industry, right? I just want to talk about the scooter industry as a whole, the electric scooter industry, right? With regards to like public transportation, right? We have seen like rideshare, like, I guess, apps and like services where people go and rent bicycles within these cities. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lime is like the fully successful one for the electric scooter industry. And that's why them have been first to market and essentially like creating a hegemony in this space is the reason why investors are being optimistic. Like, oh, even though they're, they're, they're not operating at a loss right now, in the future, that generally will not happen as they are the only ones in the industry. Yeah, I mean, like, I've definitely like, just like, pro, like provide an opposing view, right? So like, I've definitely seen it in deep. If you go to like very urban areas, you see like, Plenty. I've seen like two or three different brands of these like electric scooters, right? But the thing is, they're all localized. But like with Lime, that's different, right? That those companies just stay within their like respective city, like DC, for example. But Lime, they're basically like universal in like the US, right? Like they have they have um in like New York City, DC, and everything. That's kind of what makes them unique, and I think that's what is basically enticing these like investors to even like put some take the risk and put some money in the business right because they see the viability they saw the they saw the track record before covid and like in ideal circumstances they definitely have the opportunity to succeed which is kind of like which is what i think is the main reason they're even like taking this risks to in, to invest right and with regards to them like going public right going public would certainly help raise cash in the near term but also like carries big risks risks like lion's main rival um rival company bird recently went public public um via a merger that valued the santa monica based company at 2.3 billion and that deal just closed as soon as they were publicly listed and the shares in the newly merged company fell sharply right after they went public and that deal was announced, right? And so this is a risk that could similarly happen with Lime because they're, if we're being honest, like if you look at the industry as a whole, Lime is the number one in the industry, but I guess the rival bird right now, I guess Lime accounts for, let's say like about 60% of the market while their competitors bird accounts for 30, right? It's double the market share, right? But that could also mean double the fall in terms of their stock prices decreasing dramatically after announced after the announcement of going public, right? So I think the entire thing is a risk, but if it pays off, right, they will establish their hegemony in the marketplace. And that's something that I don't believe their main competitor, Bird, can, um, I guess, come back from. Yeah, I feel like the thing is, right, like, Public, going public sounds like a good idea at like first thought, right? At first sight. But if you think about like, why wouldn't everyone just go public, right? They, if they need the money, they need the investments, just go public. Like there's plenty of people willing to invest. But the thing is, there's major risks with going public, right? There's like, if like one bad press comes in, like your entire valuation of your company, like, like, like starkly falls, right? Like it can go from like, like just for example, like look at with like Elon Musk, right? Like remember like um he went on a podcast funny enough and then you know he did something there that <clears throat> just to keep a safe work here we can um you know 
not talk about that here but he did something that caused like the stock price of all his companies to fall right like that's the same thing can happen but like a much larger scale right because like that was kind of like a small thing relative in, in the space right it's like you like face a major scrutiny like for example like facebook right like they're their stocks are always like fluctuating like majorly like i feel like that's i think they should give some consideration to that too right like that's kind of that's kind of my take on that that's true um i just want to like i guess talk about the viability of uh, public electric transportation as a whole right right now you see like all these different products coming out like different rideshare apps utilizing electric cars and different rideshare apps utilizing now electric bicycles rather than just like manual like bicycles right where you actually have to pedal right as wondering like what are your thoughts like do you think the entire that entire industry is something that's viable going for forward and that it will actually be something that will stick around that people will actually continue to use like um post-covid times i feel like that's a very subjective question right because like those type those like concepts of like public transportation like like ride sharing essentially between like people right like it's not it's not really ride sharing but like basically like this like public um transportation right like i think it's really only viable like in my perspective it's really only viable in urban areas right like for example in like a suburbs like most people invest in like a car rather than public transportation because like that's more efficient in the long run because things are farther away generally in the suburbs than in the urban areas it's like and also like in urban areas the parking is expensive there's all plenty of factors that go into like the reasoning for not investing in a car and investing in public transportation instead so i think that's like my, one of the main reasons like the viable like the, that's where like the viability comes into question right like it's only viable really in a like certain number of places and that that really only includes like um like the urban areas it's like i have a question for you Dima. like what do you see as um like do you see like there's enough space in this like electric like this transportation and like public transportation industry like this for this like uh, scooters to actually make like a big impact in like do you see them taking up more market share compared to like these bikes like these um like taxis uber and stuff like that yeah okay because when i look at like this like i guess like like this entire like business plan of limes right when you um really like look into like their breakdown of the of their target audience right if you go to the city area right no one no one actually like owns like their own vehicles those all use public transportation right yeah. but you see, like they either use public transportation or they always invest in, in their own like personal transportation means like they buy their own bicycles they buy their own skateboards and why do you think that is that's because in the long run using like owning your own like bicycle or or your own scooter in the long run will save you more money than using uh the services of a company such as lime so with that in mind that means lime's main target audience are tourists right people that come into the city as new right they're not investing in like an entire like scooter or bicycle because they don't live there right they don't need to use that transportation they just need a quick one-time transportation that's fun and easy to use get around a city check out the tourist attraction spots and all that and because of that i think this their entire business plan of like electric scooters right will only be viable in tourist attraction areas such as like new york or like in like paris or something like that where people will actually like use it to get around in a more leisurely way but if you're looking like in a serious way like an everyday travel their business plan is not viable at all because people will understand in the long run it just costs a lot less to own your own thing and to the second part of your question like like how do i see them holding up in relation to other 
uh, means of transportation, electric transportation, such as bicycle. I do think bicycles are going to like my my. This is my opinion, right? I do think in going in the future, when you look at the long run, right? But the electric bicycle market and like the renting of bicycles for transportation will um cause like the entire scooter industry to I guess not exist anymore, right? And my the reason rationale behind that is. Bicycles are just like in, innately more efficient, right? They're more efficient than electric skateboards. They're more efficient than electric scooters. And for that reason, like in these current times, right? Everyone's looking at efficiency, speed, right? Why do you think TikTok is so so famous, right? Because it's fast, it's quick. You the videos get to their points, and that doesn't hold true only for social media, but in real life too. People just want to get to, from point A to point B as fast as possible. And bicycles just allowed that to happen rather than scooters. And that's why I, I generally think that the, the scooter industry, electric scooter industry will not last too long. Yeah, I definitely see your point, right? Like, first I want to address, like, the, like, can you bring up an interesting point with, like, the tourist aspect of, like, their demographic, their target demographic for these electric scooters, right? I feel like that totally makes sense, right? Because if you think about it, the main reason I see, like, I attribute, um, Lime success to like, like pre-COVID is because like they were they were present in like almost every like major like urban city right like New York DC so like unlike other like competitors they don't have that like it's like a sakes for example like some tourist goes in DC they see like bird but when they go to New York they don't see it but they do see that same level like like um of like linearity between DC and New York for Lime, right? They're, they're like in these major cities unlike the other competitors. I feel like that what that's kind of what makes them unique and what also entices investors to like start like pouring money into it and take the risk. And also like to address your the other part of your statement, right? To talk about like it holding up against the other com- uh, competitors, like uh, means of transportation, like um, bicycles. I feel like it might end up as a fad, right? Like if you think about it, like previously there's been like, like I feel like, like correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the bikes were also a little bit of a fad, right? Like it kind of died out a little bit. Like it kind of fizzled out. Like before, like when at first, like someone introduced that, that product, like everyone started buying it and like started using it. But like after a while, it just started like fizzled out. Like in my perspective, like do you do you also like agree with that? Um, not necessarily. I, I, I think the only reason you th- it feels like it fizzled out is because people aren't traveling as much like tourist attraction, right? Because similar to the scooters, the bicycles are all dependent on tourists and co- people coming in because everyday users that use them to go to work and back, they're not using this um the, the service. They're buying their own bicycles. I think that's the reason it feels like it died down. But during its peak time, like pre-COVID, when people were actually traveling, I do think that it was a very viable option um, because people like to bike like it's a it's a hobby that everyone has right they like to bike they rather than walking around and i think that's why it's still available so I, I me personally i don't think it's a fad because i think it's just it just feels like that because people haven't been using it as much due to the um i guess restrictions from covid 19. okay yeah i think that i definitely see your perspective on that right like if you if we think about like these electric scooters right like for maybe they're i don't think they're particularly viable for in the long run for um like transportation between like the workplace, like consistent transportation, right? So if you think about it, it's not it's not as reliable as like 
bicycles, right? Because you have to charge it. It might not be like, some might be out of service. And they're always, the thing is these scooters, they're always in a different place than the last time you saw them, right? Because people take them to their destination, they just leave them there. So like your, your closest bike could be like a mile or two miles one day, and it could be four miles the next day. So you don't have that same level of consistency as you do with the bikes, right? And like, you don't have, and you don't have those reliability problems either. So I feel like I definitely agree with your point that there's like that bikes will like overtake them in like market share and they, I'm pretty sure they already have, right? Like I'm pretty sure these, um, these scooter companies have like lesser market share in these public transportation in the urban industries. They do, but you know, speaking of company that has a lot of market share over the gaming industry, you see that segue right there? Nintendo. <laughs> Classic segue. Nintendo has lowered forecast for its sales of its Switch handled handheld games consoles by 1.5 million units. And this is due to the uh, worldwide, the global crisis, the chip crisis. That is a warning for all Christmas shoppers across the world, right? As we've all heard, this has been a lingering issue amongst every single tech corporation, right? They can't find silicon chips because of the major shortage caused by supply, supply chain issues from COVID-19 and the lack of workers in the industry. And you know, this is 1.5 million units for a company like Nintendo. Man, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of unhappy kids that we're gonna see during Christmas, man. Yeah, definitely. Like if we think about it, like these this chip shortage has been around since the beginning of COVID, right? Like, cause this chip shortage is 100% induced by the effects of COVID-19, right? The supply chain issues, especially in China, right? Where like most of them are manufactured, TSMC in Japan, et cetera. Like they're all manufactured in these Asian countries which were hit the hardest by COVID-19 and therefore are affected by the supply chain issues the most. I feel like that's kind of what is, we're basically seeing a like butterfly effect of this, right? Like this, like the water, like the, um, this like chain reaction of the supply chain issue, right? Because now as like, if you think about it, right? Christmas already, like there's so many shortages on Christmas, like like the number of hottest selling toys, but like with this compounded on top of it, just imagine how disappointed people are. Like the thing is like the normal person doesn't really like take into account like the chip shortage issue, right? Like they don't really even know about it. Like it's just like us tech enthusiasts and hopefully our viewers as well who want, who are like more, proactive in terms of like the tech industry and business so like that's but they're like lesser knowledge on like these topics right like this like the chip shortage it would be harder for them to understand like that this it's simply not practical for like them to release these products like even like the thing is it's not it's not like they're like the thing is you know what some companies do they just leave their website on like you sell as many products and then they like afterwards they tell the consumers that, oh, we cannot deliver a piece of the chip shortage. But I think what Nintendo is doing that's good is that they're being proactive about it. They're like telling their consumers beforehand to expect a shortage and like to like prepare beforehand, like look for alternatives. So that's kind of like my take on this I issue right now. You know, you know what I found like really interesting is that um, the Simon Sage is the chief ex executive chip design firm ARM told a conference that the mismatch between supply and demand is the most extreme that he has ever seen that that he has ever seen with the wait for chip supplies taking up to 60 weeks that's that's 60 weeks bro that's that's like over like that's over a year just to get chip supply shortages back to normal and that's that's only considering like this certain industry like the gaming industry right we're not even taking into account like the car industry or the the laptop industry right there's so many markets like everything nowadays is hyper dependent on this chip the fact that that there's an inability to get these two consumers is going to have 
cascading effects on not only like the U.S. economy but the global economy. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because if you think about it, right, the chips are like computer chips are essentially one of the most fundamental aspects of what run the society, right? It's in everything from your car to your laptop to your phone to your headphones to literally every literally every piece of almost you interact with something that uses um a chip like at least 99% of your day right like people are mostly in front of the computers and stuff just imagine like like going into the future like they they don't have the opportunity to like get these chips and like it has such a big issue on these cars like on, on like manufacturing cars manufacturing laptops all this stuff like this this is such a big chain reaction just from the supply chain issue and i think like what do you see like the next like steps of going to like fixing the supply chain issue right like what kind of seeing the effects of covid-19 kind of dying down like what do you see the next steps for this yeah it's, it's because like it's not even like just like these like huge like companies like nintendo like like even look at apple or right? even tim cook recently told investors that the supply chain constraints have cost the company 6 um 6 billion us dollars in sales right and the thing is like if we if we're looking at like america's economy as a whole right without the big tech industry america's economy is nothing the big tech industry is literally like single-handedly what runs the economy of us you can say like oil like big oil and all that it's not really true because we're re- reducing our reliance on the big oil industry it's it's really the big tech industry and the fact that silicon's are at the center of um the big tech industry right nothing in the big tech industry runs without silicon and the fact that we can't even get that to consumers is going to have cascading effects not only on the prices of products but the consumer happiness and consumer elasticity their their willingness to spend on these products right and these companies do not um like i guess different companies have different el- elasticities with regards to their products right companies with low elasticity or high elasticity right they're going to have issues because these co- these consumers will be like oh okay well we can't even get the product we want they're not going to buy products from that company anymore thus reducing the amount of profit they make and reducing the amount innovation new tech innovation right this has like multiple exponential compounding effects on the economy which is it's really scary to be honest like if 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 new legislation isn't passed to be able to figure out a way to get the chip chip shortage like fixed in america like not not even in america in the world like as a whole right there's going to be major cascading effects and the entire productivity like worker productivity in the us is going to decrease and to be honest like Right now I don't see any politicians like making any like works to actually address this issue right they're all worried on different other social issues right now and I f- feel like that's kind of a it's kind of an issue right now because without this being solved like many people are going to lose their jobs because there these companies aren't making as much profit in order to sustain that high level of labor work workforce Yeah, I think you bring up a couple of really good points, right? Like one of them is about the elasticity of a consumer, right? Cuz if you think about it, what like for example, I'm just going to use consoles like this next generation of consoles, for example, like the Xbox Series X and the PS5, right? There was consumers are willing to pay way above the MSRP for it, right? People are paying a thousand like upwards of a thousand dollars for a console that's like 4 to 500. Like that's just crazy, right? Like it just shows like how much like like is like going like what's going through the consumer's mind to even like think of paying that much over the MSRP right that's like that's such a big markup that's like a 100% markup on like 
console, right? Like just imagine like for things that are even more essential to like your life, right? For example, a laptop or like like even like everything from your even your house appliances you use um like chips, right? Just imagine like I like there's so many cascading effects like not having like these chips back to normal, like this chip manufacturing back to normal. Like you know what doesn't help it? Like the fact that the chip yield rates are so low, yield rates are so low, right? It's like it's like five to ten percent, and you feel more higher powered silicon. Like for example, like the Apple chips, or like Intel's new Alder Lake 12th generation chips. That's gonna be even lower, right? With higher powered um, cores, it's gonna be even harder to manufacture with smaller nanometer processes. So, like I think, and you also bring up an interesting point about like policies, right? Regarding this amending of the supply chain issues around um, the chips, right? Like, I feel like they, the U.S. really, it's really out of the U.S.'s hands right now, right? Because the main bottleneck that the, for the supply chain issue is coming from, uh, like, foreign countries, right? Because that's where, that's where these chips are being manufactured, right? Even though they might be assembled, like, in the U.S. or some other places. The thing is, the fact, the, the main fact that the U.S. recovered relatively quickly from this like Delta variant, the the COVID-19 is because they've had the funding and the awareness campaigns to like basically like boost up, like basically accelerate that process of recovery, right? Like some third world countries where like some of these are being manufactured, they don't have, they don't have that same type of acceleration, same type of boosting that we have. And we can't like, ex like expect them to like come back. Like that's primarily the reason like why this chip shortage will extend all the way up to early 2023 potentially. So I guess we have to take into account that like it's not, it's completely out of our hands at this point. Like it's more about like what they do to be proactive about this issue and like start mending their own supply chain issues. Them, they have to pass the legislation, not necessarily, not not us. Because the bottleneck is like true. not really at our end. You do see that across like, because Nintendo is not an American company, right? If you look across like American companies, right? They've actually like the ones that are building the chips in-house, right? Like like on some of their chips in-house are actually like succeeding pretty well. Like earlier I said that um like Tim Cook said that Apple lost like um like six billion dollars in sales worldwide due to the supply and chip shortages. That was in 2020. If you look at their 2021 numbers, right, they're actually they actually don't have any supply chain issues with regards to chips. Like the most the most that happened is like a two week delay. They're not, they're not actually losing out on sales due to that. And that's a large part of that is because they started building their chips in house in order to um I guess like subside the effects of COVID-19 chip shortages. And you know, like that's I, I find that interesting. But like you know, speaking of Apple, I've got another great segue here, right? Apple um, hired a former Tesla engineer to boost its self-driving car efforts, as reported by Bloomberg News. So, as we talked about, like like a third ever podcast, like a long, long time ago, like like early early 2020, 20 sorry late 2020, early 2021, right? Well, we talked about how Apple's looking into joining the electric car industry, and I, I guess like. At that point, like we thought it was all just like big marketing fad to in, like increase their stock prices, especially with the release of the new iPhone coming up, right? But it looks like they're actually like looking into like and putting investments into like the electric car industry. Like, you know, any anyone that wants to like better their electric car industry efforts, right? You go and hire someone from Tesla. That's exactly what Apple's doing. Yeah, okay, before we move on to this uh this Apple and the, the Tesla engineer moving to Apple, right? I want to go back to your point about Apple was like, I know we always end up going back to Apple in these in these podcasts, right? But they're a prime, they're a prime example. I don't want to sound like an Apple fanboy, right? But like their entire business, they 
they're so proactive in the space, right? Like that they they've thought of this ahead of like I'm only realizing this now, right? Like they've thought of this like ten steps ahead. They're playing this. They they already finished the chess game that we we just started playing, right? Yeah, we're playing like, dominoes at this point. Exactly, exactly. Like they've thought of this before, right? They've had this. They essentially streamlined their like manufacturing process by like p- switching to M1 in late 2020, and then M1 Pro, M1 Max in uh, late 2021. So like they basically already like jump started their move into streamlining their main their supply chain, right? So like they they basically closed up that like. They removed. They basically eliminated that bottleneck, right? Because they've been they're manufacturing in house. They have total control over their manufacturing process, and that's the reason they're able to deliver so, like this high volume of MacBook Pros like so quickly, right? Within two weeks, like it just launched, right? Like even Microsoft doesn't do that. Like they've been thinking so ahead of the game. I feel like this is what other companies need to do as well. Like they don't have other companies. They don't have that same level of control. Over their supply chain that Apple does, right? Because they're they're not building things in house. They're more essentially they're they're just a marketing company, right? They're like outsourcing all this like like their chip, their chassis, etc. They're just bringing it together and marketing it as like, oh, this is this is this is our version of a product that already exists. Like that's what like that's what Apple does really well. And to touch on your point about um yeah, uh, about the topic, heavily disrespected, man. I I made a beautiful segue. No, you just have to go back to the old topic. I apologize, Simon. <laughs> I had I really had to touch on that topic because, like, I think, I think, like, I don't know. They're so like intelligent, so proactive in this space. That's like, it's like unparalleled, right? Like, I'm I'm sure that you can agree. Our viewers can agree. Like, like every even like competitors can agree, right? Like, you like even Microsoft has like toned down their aggressive marketing campaigns on their like on their Surface products and stuff like basically like hating on Apple and stuff like I don't want to, I'm not I'm definitely 100% not a Apple fan but they have they definitely have their flaws but I'm just highlighting what what they're good at and to touch on your point about uh, on our topic about the ex Tesla engineer moving to Apple like they another reason why they're so they're so successful in this space they're over two trillion dollar market cap like this is the reason they know exactly. Who is the best in the industry, and they're basically siphoning employees off from there, and like, like they can't buy Tesla, right? They even they don't have the capability to do that. So like, instead, they're doing the next best thing, basically siphoning off employees to work for Apple, use that Tesla knowledge that they've gained, and basically implement that in in their own iteration of a car. And you know, like, what do you like? I can't even imagine an Apple car, right? What would it look like? Would it be like? Would it come in space gray, gold, silver, starlight? Whatever, whatever colors. I think actually three hundred dollars for a steering wheel. Exactly. Like what? Like what do you think this would even look like, right? Like this. Like, I my first thought is just like, like someone driving an iPhone. I know it sounds like weird, but someone just driving an iPhone. Like that's the first thing that I think about when I hear an Apple car. Yeah, like, tell know, me like what you think. Car, those car simulator games. You, you're basically playing a simulator, but instead it's like car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like what do you what do you think? Like what is your first thought? Like out of an Apple car? Like what do you think it would look like? Well, let me just say like when I first heard this news, right? Like a break like a couple days ago, I was like thoroughly surprised because when we talked about this topic like in the early podcast, we initially thought like it was just a big fad to increase their stock prices, but with them seeing like going to like deep investment into this, right? We just want Tesla employees just like a small step, right? But if you look at like release like leaked. Um, Apple documents, right? They've actually started building infrastructure since three years ago to actually start the development of an Apple car, like R and D research, right? And like with regards to like what I think it will look like, right? I think I think 
I think what they're going for is like they're trying to stay with the times, right? And if you see like the evolution of car design right now, it's go every car company is starting to go like Tesla's route, right? The minimalist approach, right? Go in, just have a tablet that controls a majority of the settings that you need, and there's heavily like R&D, R&D, R&D into self-driving capabilities. I think that's what Apple's like trying to go in because if you like look at it like just the similar way that Tesla is a software company, Apple is also a majority of software company, right? Like if you look at their products, the main region like people go to Apple's for their iOS software, their macOS software, right? So Apple's really just a software company. And I think that's the approach they're going to take with regards to their um, market structure and their business plan with expanding into the electric car industry. Software first, car, car last. Yeah, I feel like they would actually be more successful. Like my opinion is that they would be more successful than Tesla in terms of like their cars, right? Like if you think about it, like perhaps not in price, but in their actual build quality and like they're basically like their execution of the product, right? Because if you think about it, like Tesla had so many problems in the beginning from supply chains, like panel gaps and like the body, like the like see the car exploding, <laughs> for example. Like they've had so many problems. I think like Apple, they they take very careful steps in like everything they do, right? They've definitely had their flaws, like with uh, iPhone 6 Bengate and like um them like basically stunting uh batteries in older phones so they could drive sales for that. They definitely have their flaws, right? But like I feel like overall, like a holistic view, they would have a better chance of succeeding than Tesla in their execution of an electric car, right? Because they already have like they're experts in software, hardware, and all they need to do is apply that in this new form of a car. Right, because we also have to look like when Tesla is creating his company, right? Tesla was a baby company, right? They're trying to figure out their footing. Apple knows what their footing is, right? All they're doing is just expanding into another sector, right? And because of that, they know like the moment they release a car and all the headlights on them, so they have to perfect the car. But in terms of like, I guess, like technologically speaking, I don't think they'll be able to match um, what Tesla's doing right now with regards to the specs of these cars in the electric car industry, right? Because look, all these gas-powered companies, they've been building cars for a long time, right? But they're still not, like, they've been putting more money into the R&D of these cars, but they're not able to match anywhere near the type of success with electric cars that Tesla has had. Because Tesla has such a grip, like when you hear Tesla, when you tell someone electric car right they don't think of bmw they don't think of rivian they think of tesla right and i, I think that like name right the entire like idea of brand loyalty like brings like elasticity of these consumers to just go to tesla rather than apple i think that's the re one reason why i don't think it will be too successful because people see apple as a consumer product right company not as a car company i feel like okay i, I definitely see your point there right but just to, like provide an opposing view they thought the same thing when Apple released their iPhone, right? Before Apple was a computer, um, was like essentially like a PC manufacturer, right? But then they pivoted into this, they, they started tipping their toes in this uh, phone market. And people were like, oh no, dude, Blackberry, Motorola, they're the leaders in this space. And whenever you think of cell phone, you think of the Motorola, Motorola Razr or like or anything else, right? You wouldn't think of an iPhone when you first think of like a phone, but then they revolutionized it by introducing the smartphone having touchscreen multi-touch capabilities like having hey, a music player phone internet browser all in one right i feel like they would like my perspective is that they would take a similar approach in the car space right that, that's that's the problem with with your argument though right 
they when they came into the phone industry they revolutionized it by bringing a touchscreen smartphone right when they're going to enter this car market they're not i highly doubt they're going to bring anything revolutionary to the space in terms of car market right what what tesla did is they they i guess like the idea of electric cars wasn't revolutionary but the way they implemented it was revolutionary and how they're able to get it to work so well right i just don't see that something apple is going to be able to do in order to like drive people and like become a hegemony in this industry because when they release a smartphone is they're the first to do it they revolutionize it but i just don't see how they're going to revolutionize the electric car space yeah i definitely see your point but like just to like so if you think about it right like they're definitely not gonna, they're not first to market and like they're far from the first to go into this um electric car industry right and the thing is like if you think about it like apple it's very good in executing right like i feel like their execution would be so good like that like it would like maybe they're not as successful like they're smart enough to know that like it's not viable like they've been preparing for 3 years right they've seen the success that tesla had they wouldn't step into a market unless they knew that they would be successful in it think about about like every like industry that apple's gone into like the the laptop industry the the phone industry it's been totally successful in it there hasn't been a single industry where it hasn't been successful and they know that and it's, they've been preparing for 3 years so definitely working on something revolutionary maybe it's like true self driving like phase 5 self driving like unlike like um tesla's like phase 3 like maybe they'll actually introduce like a total like maybe they introduce the car without even a steering wheel right like you don't you don't know what they might do like that's what i'm looking forward to in the end like right because we're not like we're, we don't know what apple's doing but just based on speculation i'm guessing that they would introduce something revolutionary based on how much preparation how much work how much like and like after they're taking to even like bring in like ex tesla engineers right like i feel like they wouldn't take this much preparation without truly bringing something revolutionary that is true you know there this is this entire project is definitely like 10 years down the line but 10 years down the line we never know a lot of things to change and i'm looking forward to seeing that i'm definitely looking forward to see that too all right guys that's it for this week's episode of the mainframe podcast thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for new episodes every friday take care and peace you are now leaving the mainframe